Good morning, good afternoon, good night, wherever you are. This is Mike Filbert, your host of the Military Mentor Podcast. Today is May 15th. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode. Today, we are going to talk leadership, how you can rise to the challenge and realize your full potential. And I'm going to start off with a concept I developed throughout my military career called the half-baked leader. We're going to talk a little bit about that idea. And then I'm going to go over a message I received from a soldier in the military that had some challenges, uh, being a little risk adverse and trying to overcome that uh, to become a better leader. Some great lessons inside that conversation. And I'm just going to touch some highlights on that. So let's, let's get right into it. So leadership, it's an important uh, attribute uh, to have in society. And and if you can develop that character trait, um, then that's definitely something that opens doors and opportunities. And and no matter how you how you cut the cookie, eventually you're going to have to exhibit some leadership sometime in your life. If you ever plan on becoming a parent or if you are a parent, um, maybe in your community, uh, maybe there's a, a time where somebody has to assert themselves to get something done but developing your leadership traits uh, is good for your career and it's definitely a great skill to have in the tool bag because you never know when you have to step up so the concept of the half-baked leader was born out of my observation of the what is considered the pinnacle of becoming a leader in the military so there's doctrine that describes what an ideal leader looks like. And there are creeds and there are professional military education courses that share with you um, some rules and guidelines and best practices intended to get you to the point of where they feel when you move up the ranks in the military, you could be most effective. And in the military, you have high ranking folks like sergeant majors and platoon sergeants and uh, commanding officers and generals and when you're a junior soldier in the organization you look at these folks as having achieved everything you read about you're like man this guy is it he made it all the way to the top everything I'm trying to practice to be he already is and that's what you're working for and I, I kind of parallel this to going to a barbecue and you're like man I'm about to go to this barbecue they got some 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 drumsticks on the on the grill and you just you're looking at these drumsticks and they look super good you they got barbecue sauce you know smeared on the outside you start to get those nice little grill marks in there and then you just anticipate what it's going to be like once that meat hits your plate so excited and then all of a sudden meat's done it's in a tray you go pick out a piece you go sit down super excited you're about to tear up some good barbecue and then you take that bite and when you get inside that meat it's pink. It's not pink because it's smoked. It's pink because it's not cooked properly. And all that anticipation, all that appearance that made it look so good just automatically goes out the window. And then you're like, man, this thing is not done. It needs to go back on the grill. You, you know, you feel like you might have salmonella poisoning at this at this point in time, but it's too late. You already bit it. So now the only thing you can do is either A, throw it away or put it back on the grill. And that is exactly what leadership is like sometimes. Sometimes you got that guy that's on top of an organization and you say, man, he looks good. He came to work today, suit and tie. He talks confidently. 
and and you feel like he's it and when you start to peel back the layers you start to realize that this individual is not as refined as you thought he was he doesn't have it all together like you thought he did and this where this is where personal accountability comes into play because there's always a measuring stick for everything we do and we're trying to get to a particular level and only you would know whether or not you truly meet meet that that threshold and sometimes when you're in the military i would say um, there's values we have seven army values uh, leadership duty respect selfless service honor integrity and personal courage are the military values and most folks they they live it when they got the uniform on but when it comes off then all those values sometimes go out the window sometimes the character traits the resiliency the respect the discipline it goes out the window and what you realize and this is not just in the military this is in any organization you realize is that is that everything looks good on the outside it's that chicken with those grill marks on it it looks good when it's sitting on the grill but when you take a bite just right on the skin it's not all the way done and that that's a, a life goal for anybody is to try to figure out how do how do i move past being half-baked you know whether that's being a parent or being a, a boss in an organization or within your community and you know not saying that putting out the face that the world needs to see is a bad thing but having that personal accountability realize that I'm not all the way there I, I talk these values I say what should be done but I don't always do those things myself and then, and then being accountable on on the on your private time to try to improve that life is a, is a constant um, you know uphill battle to become who we need who we know we need to be and sometimes the, the that half-baked uh, attribute rears its its head at the wrong time and and it's, it's it's impactful and the things that we you know as parents for example tell our kids not to do and then we go out there and do these things anyways um we may suffer consequences that are difficult to bounce back from because as parents we have all we know the right things to do and we tell our kids the right things to do and we have to know that okay for example you tell your kid not to smoke and then on the side you're smoking or you tell your kids that you should respect authority, but then you get pulled over and you scream at the police. You know, these are attributes that we have to say, I will live the values and the character traits that I talk about. I'm going to be that through and through. The question is, who are you when no one is looking? And that's a true integrity check. And you say most people have three three versions of themselves they have their public self their private self and their secret self so that private self and that secret self is the ones that we really have to sit with and say hey you know i know who you are and and you got some some work to do and you got to try to to work to fix it and it may be difficult without an accountability partner without somebody that knows your deficiencies sometimes your private self might be your home life with your spouse you know your public self might be your work life with your co-workers and your private self you may have some accountability with your spouse you may tell you or he may tell you the areas where you're not doing so hot and you have an opportunity to fix that but the secret self that's where the danger is at 
And, you know, a lot of times um, it's, it's a difficult, it's a chore to, to be honest about what we're being hypocritical about. So I, I wrote an article about the half-baked leader um, because I, f- I felt that it was something that was rampant in many organizations, um, definitely so in the military. That that's also a challenge. You know, soldiers get promoted quickly, and and they can only um, be the example in word, but not deed. Uh, and the same thing you see on the civilian side, people get you know, put in leadership positions based off credentials, and then they may not be what they need to be to actually perform in that, in that capacity. So this is, this is not something that any organizational leader can immediately see if they, you know, assign someone to a position of greater responsibility, but we definitely got to be honest with ourselves and try to get some improvement in that area. So I had a soldier that reached out to me and we were discussing leadership. He was getting ready to assume a leadership role. He's going to have soldiers uh, beneath him. He's coming from another branch, um, coming from the Air Force. And he had some concerns about how to adapt and apply leadership within the military, within the Army specifically, excuse me. And he said, hey, you know, I'm going to, you know, to this uh, new environment. I hear it's a tactical unit, it's high speed. And he was concerned that his risk, his, you know, his risk aversion and his, his drive to avoid conflict was going to be an obstacle for him being an effective leader. And he wrote me this message. He said, uh, he said, just writing down a, on a word doc my thoughts, but to bring up a deficiency I struggle with, I'm habitually conflict averse, which leads, leads to being risk adverse pretty frequently. In relation to developing those around me, I make myself very approachable and active listening, I believe are intricate parts of servant leadership. However, my aversion to conflict leads me to shy away from approaching those around me to either address concerns or express my willingness to provide feedback and in turn mentorship and development so i broke down my response in in three key ideas is you know for one i had a challenge uh, early in my career with trying to be a people pleaser and also trying to avoid being on the wrong side of someone's opinion but i realized three things over the year one is most people don't refrain from expressing themselves and their discontent. So the conclusion I came to is, why should I filter myself? Because people feel the sense of relief when they express the discontent or the words that are on their heart, they say them out loud and they say it so that way they can, you know, kind of meet their, um, you know, kind of um, need to, to, to express themselves. And, and I would always um, try to shield you know, my, my response because I didn't want them to be upset. And then I, I realized that conflict is actually a part of normal society. It's a part of building honest relationships. Um, most of the time when someone confronts you with a problem, they're actually seeking 
some type of resolution. They're just being transparent with their emotion. Um, they, they get that relief of getting things off their chest um, and they bring it to you because they want to figure out what's next. And I never had that opportunity uh, to, to get to that point because I, I kind of shielded myself from conflict. And I, one day I made a decision that I would no longer be in receive mode, but I would start transmitting my thoughts when it was, was uh, appropriate. So I wouldn't become the dumping ground for everyone's uh, negative emotion. And I realized that there was nothing worse than the feeling of I should have said, I should have did. And that person walks away feeling relieved, having said what they wanted to say. Because at the end of the day, if you have a, a feeling that you need to express, then there's a, there's a resolution on the other side of that feeling that you can never get to unless you say the words. And it's, it's normal for people to have emotions and everyone has to has to respect that people won't always agree with what you did or what you said they may not agree with the way you approach a situation and it's okay it's okay for them to express that and that's what most people realized that i didn't at the time so number one is it's okay to express yourself it's okay to say how you feel and if the other person does not like it then that's something that they're going to have to work through and digest the message but just be careful on how you say it you know it's not the intention to be rude or or to start a to escalate the the, the situation but definitely nothing wrong with expressing yourself Uh, number two i realize that you can't be an effective leader without normalizing conflict so normally team building has um three main stages which is storming norming and performing and there's a reason why conflict is in the beginning of that process so as a leader uh you have to expect that when you put a team together or you add somebody new to a team or you have a new task there's always going to be conflict on on how to approach a situation or dealing with personalities as they come together and the storming phase is a part of every new team environment. After you work through those things, things start to normalize, you figure out how to function together, and then you start to perform and you start to produce and everything um, you know, starts to function the way it's supposed to. You have to be prepared to, to coach the teams through that conflict process without things breaking down. And you have to accept when you are the target of the conflict because on the other side of the conflict, there's a better situation and a stronger relationship. That's the whole goal behind it. So approaching people with conflict is easy when you have a reputation of being positive because they'll tend to listen to you more closely uh, when you have input because you're known for being a non-confrontational person. The The storming phase is is the, the part that you can either, you know, start to gain traction or you can run away and say, all right, this is getting uncomfortable and we can never get to the part where we're performing because we totally avoided the storming phase. Um, I was always candid with my leaders and my soldiers um, and I always made sure that I never did anything to damage the relationship, but to always try to work on building more respect because it makes it easy when you're going through those conflict phases that they that they understand that, okay, this is something that's a consequence of the of the circumstance. 
this is not the the normal mode uh, that he operates in. So I had situations before where I had to write soldiers horrible evaluations and and I made sure that through the process I constantly communicated with them we had great relationships before the evaluations occurred and and this made it a lot more easy when we had to sit down and have um, those difficult conversations that went on paper and and all those all those folks that I had opportunity to lead were still friends until today um, because of the relationship that I established um, before we got to those those phases uh, you know definitely in, in leadership uh, you have to have difficult conversations on behalf of the people that you have to lead and and if you are afraid of conflict then you can't go to fight the battles that they're not positioned uh, to fight for themselves and and if this is a difficult thing for you then it's something worth doing because growth is uncomfortable. And if something feels comfortable, that means you're just doing a routine thing. But if it's uncomfortable, that means you're growing. So next time there's a conflict, don't run away from it. Just embrace it. And I always tell, um, you know, those people that I come across uh, at work or, you know, ask for some leadership advice, especially when it comes to dealing with difficult personalities, is that you're going to meet lots of different people throughout your lifetime but you'll meet the same personalities so if you try to avoid a, uh, what you consider to be a difficult personality then when you have no choice but to engage that personality because it's your boss because it's your child's you know partner boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever uh, you're going to have to deal with these personalities head on and then you're not going to be equipped to handle it so don't run away from conflict. Deal with it head on in that in that respect. And the last one that I shared with him is conflict doesn't always have to feel like conflict. It's, it's about the approach. So this point here really helped me to directly engage um, in, in uncomfortable situations. You know, when I was coming up before I became a sergeant in the army, uh, going through basic training and advanced individual training, I had the perception that the way leadership looked was busting in a room with an angry face and screaming at everybody, and, and they just listen and, and do exactly uh, what you told them to do. But that wasn't my character, and one of the reasons why I tended to avoid conflict, because I didn't know that there was other ways you can approach these type of situations. So it took a little refinement in me, um, before I could form my own approach to presenting conflict. And after reading some books, I realized that instead of going to a soldier and say, hey, dirtbag, you know, blah, 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 insert curse words here, um, I realized I can go to them and say, hey, Sergeant, I observed that a growth opportunity that I want to discuss with you. Or if it was a leader that I needed to have a conversation with, I can say, sir, I'd like to discuss some observations that I made concerning whatever problem might be. I'd like to share some recommendations. All right, so in both of these examples, I diffuse the conflict, the conflict response by my initial choice of words that made them more receptive um, to, to listening to what I had to say because I had the end goal in mind of, of trying to get to a particular state in the task or the relationship or whatever it might be. Um, the other piece that I kind of realized that if I set the right stage for the engagement, it also helped to diffuse 
um, the, cir- the circumstance. Uh, if you go to an individual around their peers, around their co-workers, around your kids' friends, and then you start to yell and scream at them around their friends or the little people in front of their co-workers, they tend not to be very responsive. And that conversation probably will meet the intent that you had um, as far as fixing the problem. Uh, you know, I had a soldier one time and we had a, you know, a deficiency that I had identified. And uh, I went and bought some cookies from Burry King and we went to a conference room and I gave him some cookies and, and I, you know, rather than sitting across the table, which is kind of a power move and it creates this, you know, kind of hierarchical feel, I sat next to the soldier and I smiled and, you know, and said, hey, let's, let's have a conversation. And we started talking and, you know, immediately in the beginning of that engagement, you know, it starts off, you know, light. And even though the topic is heavy, um, you know, it kind of sets the stage without starting off in a, in a conflict way. Um, I made sure that I never criticize anybody in public. And again, you know, it's, it's, it's important to have, um, you know, a reputation that precedes you for how you usually um, deal with, with situations. I had this one leader I used to work for named uh, Lieutenant General Mark Hurtling, and he used to tell, tell me that, prud- uh, that leaders take prudent risk. And what that means is to not avoid risk, but your risk approach is based on a desired and needed outcome. So when you have to approach a situation you have to determine, okay, well, having this conf- conversation that might lead to conflict is necessary. There's risk involved with it, but I'm going to do it because the outcome on the other side of it is more desirable than the conflict or, or the risk of the conflict itself. Uh, he used to preach this to his commanders uh, to reinforce this idea called mission command, uh, which is an idea of empowering junior, junior leaders uh, and he never wanted any commanders to, to stop at a problem, waiting for a senior leader to try to figure out what's the next step to do. And again, when it comes to, to conflict, it's not just about, um, you know, how you feel in the moment. It's, it's whether or not is this, is this situation, you know, needed? Do I need that? Do I need to get involved in this, this conflict situation because the other side is necessary? And sometimes, you know, things need to get done with some fluidity and some urgency. And the only way to get through it is through a path of conflict. But you have to keep in mind what's on the other, what's on the other side of that. So these are some kind of developmental ideas, you know, dealing with, you know, risk aversion. And I think that's kind of one of the reasons why a lot of people avoid leadership roles is because they think about okay, if I become a leader, what does that mean for me responsibility-wise? What does that mean for me as far as accountability for my character-wise? What does that mean for me uh, in in terms of engagements that I have to, um, you know, be responsible for? And all those things are kind of big, scary ideas because we're imperfect people that like to deal with simple situations and... You know, we don't want a bunch of things that we're ultimately accountable for because accountability um, is a scary thing when the buck stops here. But, you know, I think 
you know, I, I tell people, you know, the reason I'm passionate about mentorship is because I feel like if you have some insights, um, if you have some values and morals that you feel other people would benefit from, if they were to share the same ideas or the same character traits, then you should be ready to sing it from a mountaintop and tell people like, hey, this is who I am, this is what I believe, and, and, and the world would be a better place if people believed, you know, what I believed. And, and, you know, the information that I have that I've acquired, however, um, would, would, you know, be, it would be a shame if I was the only one with that thought or that idea. So let me share it. So the idea of, of a half-baked leader is just a conversation about personal accountability, about truly assessing yourself against whatever that standard is that your leadership engagement requires. And, and are you all the way there? And only you know that. Um, and I'm sure a lot of you see people in your organizations that don't acknowledge that they're not all the way there. But because, again, it's a drill in personal accountability. And for those folks that aren't there, I mean, I'll tell you a story. When I was going through uh, one officer candidate school, I had this this one uh, guy that was in charge of our small group. They broke us up into little small groups and we were assigned what's called a TAC officer, train, advise, counsel, and their job was to teach you the ways of officership in about 39 days. And everybody had their own TAC officer, probably about 15 to a group. And this particular individual thought it was a good idea to utilize our little small group uh, mentorship session time to live a drill sergeant fantasy that he never got a chance to live. So we did a lot of PT and these things called cherry pickers, which is a useless activity, useless exercise but it's just time consuming and, and, you know, it just gives, gives him a degree of control. So, uh, you know, one day, uh, during our small group session, we were going through this, this drill and I stopped and I told him, I said, look, um, you know, this is, this is ridiculous. Your job is to train, advise and counsel. We have 39 days for you to take us from being enlisted personnel and teach us officership. And I feel like we're wasting time and you're doing us a disservice. You know, I told him this is not a fraternity. Um, this is the military and this is a professional course and my expectations coming here is to learn and grow in these 39 days to prepare me for what I need to do for the next 10 years of my career. And I had that conversation um, around all my peers directly to him and he paused and he pondered what I had just said and he said, Mr. Filbert, you're the group leader and he made me in charge of the group. And from that day forward, we we uh, actually did professional development. Every time we got together, there was no more smoke sessions. There was no more hazing. I had a great relationship with him, and and we got things done. But sometimes, you know, just staying quiet and, and avoiding problems, you know, it will just lead to a prolonged problem. So, idea today, just to recap, is. Assess yourself, um, determine opportunities to improve, um, find a measuring stick in which you need to measure measure yourself to be a better leader, a better parent, better community member, and and make sure that your public uh, presentation of yourself matches who you are, even when nobody else is looking. And that's character development. Um, always start with the end in mind when it comes to dealing with conflicts. Conflicts don't always need to feel like conflicts. If you set the right setting, uh, if you 
establish the right reputation. And remember, the end state uh, has to be greater than the conflict. So don't nitpick. You don't have to take, turn everything into uh, a fight. Um, you got to be selective about what you choose to engage. So hopefully the conversation today brought some value and perspective. And we can do this again next Monday. If you guys have any ideas, then you can leave a comment. And thank you for listening this week. See you guys next week.